0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We are going an extra hour on Oilers Now on game days. Bob Stoffer at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Brendan Escott's back at the 630 Chad Studios in Edmonton. John Bruins is helping. Produce this one for us. In this hour, we will hear from the Provincial Affairs columnist and Call hockey writer from the Edmonton Journal, David Staples, and the Vice Chair of the Otters Entertainment Group, Hockey Hall of Famer, Kevin Lowe. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line 780 496 Get the new floors you've always wanted. Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. Or you can reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline. We'll tell you that orders now has been brought to you for eight consecutive seasons by. Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Texter says, well, Bob, uh, you were wrong. You said Pugliarvi is a left wing. Pugliarvi is a right wing who, as a right shot, like Archibald, has seen time on left wing in the series. I had a caller or a texter ask me about where could Dylan Holloway theoretically fit in. All right. We head off to the River Creek Resort Casino. Welcome back. Regular Wednesday contributor. We moved him an hour so we could take some calls and texts. We welcome back David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. How you doing, David? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Isn't this what it's all about, really, when you think about it?
1: It is, and I don't think we're really going to know that until we see it. Until uh, we all collectively start to experience this again. Uh, playoff hockey against the arch rival team not against you know teams we we might not like teams like the dallas stars and the anaheim ducks vancouver winnipeg we might even hate some of those teams but there's only one calgary flames and there's something unique about this that we haven't had a long time we've had it in the regular season i mean we all went through the roof with the you know the the uh Big games in recent years. Mike Smith fighting the the Flames goalie um, at center ice, uh, and some of those games have been wild. Uh, you know the whole the whole uh, Turtle Cassian uh, Turtle Chuck Cassian incident. Like those things are kind of a little bit of a taste of what we're going to get. But it's going to be interesting to see in the Twitter era, modern social media era, um, this this big rivalry rivalry play out. So yeah, I'm I'm
0: excited for that. Oh, it's funny because Mark Spector has just uh, dropped a piece right now. that's on Sportsnet about the Battle of Alberta, the rivalry you know dating all the way back to where CN put the railway and where they put the university, University of Alberta in Edmonton, uh, where the provincial capital was Edmonton. Uh, and he just talked about the level of engagement for the fan base. I know I had this conversation on yesterday's on with AJ Jack in Ottawa. It it like you know between. Uh, you know, Ryan Rashog and Mark Spector, uh, myself and Jason Greger, it's four guys north of 75,000 followers on Twitter. And I don't think there's a sports media guy in Calgary that's over thirty-five or 40,000. And that's not because we're great and they're not great. That's because there's a way I, I personally feel, and the television numbers uh, would, would support this, Um I just think there's far more interest uh, from, a, from an Edmonton market or an oil country market that is largely from Edmonton, where you know, and, and is tended to be a little bit more blue collar to the white collar, uh, more transient uh, Calgary market that has had anywhere, David, from fifty to eighty thousand Americans living in their city at a time. What do you think about that? I don't really have a
1: theory about it, Bob. I don't know why Calgary isn't as obsessed about their team as we are in Edmonton. Um, you know, the whole rivalry thing, when I was younger, I really felt it. Like, there really did seem to like be a rivalry between the two cities, uh, an economic rivalry. And, and we were kind of rooting against them, and I guess they were rooting against us. In the Ralph Klein era, we felt left out and on the outside. But... Um, I guess my own feelings towards Calgary now is like we're all in this, like we're, we Albertans are in this together and we've got bigger fish to fry than fighting each other. We've got fights with Ottawa, with the rest of the world. We've got a, you know, a huge battles that we need to come together and, and, and we have done so. I think Edmonton and Calgary, in some ways, there's never been less real rivalry uh, between the two cities, but now we have, but there's still this, there's still this kind of uh, tribal sports rivalry that's going to go on. And maybe, I, maybe they all. Maybe in Calgary, they, I don't know. Like these are just less. They sell out the, They sell out the Saddledome. They sell. They have lots of people going to the games. They got lots of people um, going to their football games. I think they're big sports fans down there. I don't know exactly what accounts for the obsession in Edmonton. The kind of the unique obsession, perhaps, with this hockey team. I think it's the owners are so tied up in our identity as a city. Um, the way the the Gretzky team won those five Stanley Cups. The Gretzky Messier team won the five Stanley Cups. Maybe that's it. It was just such a it just had such a deep imprint on us. This the whole generation of Antonians who grew up with that. Um so they've they've retained all of those fans and it made the Oilers kind of a legendary franchise, which the Flames are not. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, they're not. All right. What did the they're numbers not. What the numbers say about the final two games of the Edmonton LA Series? You do. Uh, and maybe explain once again sort of the analytics that you guys provide on the cult of hockey. We're just <clears> –
1: <throat> what we do, Rob, is video review during the games. And what we're looking for is what we think is the most important event in a game, which is the grade A shot. And you'll hear TV broadcasters now talking – a lot about grade a shots it's the biggest moment in a game if you can manufacture grade a shots and not give them up you're generally the better team on the ice so we, we don't you know shot met- in terms of the shots it's those it's those really important shots that matter and in the final two games of the la series something really pretty remarkable happened the oilers just thwarted the kings ability to get off grade a shots um they com- they, they didn't completely shut them down but they came close to that they it, over the two the final two games they allowed uh, just 12 grade a shots against in total now that's six per game and um Usually they allow double that in a game the Oilers did in the regular season. So from the regular season performance, they cut it in half. And Bob, I really believe it was, I think this is for real, and I think it's significant. And I think the Edmonton Oilers finally discovered the game they need to play in the playoffs to win. And it came through desperation. They were about to be eliminated by the by the Kings. They had given up 20 grade A shots in game in losing game five. 20 great A shots. It was their worst performance in the playoffs. All kinds of culprits, all kinds of people not doing their jobs, mental errors, lack of effort, however you want to put it. I mean, it it was all that. And they figured it out. And it was led, I think, it was led by the leaders on the team, specifically Connor McDavid, who um, rose up and has decided he's not losing this year. And he's not losing because... He's going to play defense like he's never played it before in his life. He's going, to, he's going to cover the defensive slot. He's going to back check fiercely. He's going to hit. He's going to be that two-way player he's never been before in the playoffs. We're seeing it now, and that's why I say this is why I'm predicting the Orders will win the series. I think McDavid has gone supernova, particularly on defense, and the Orders have discovered a game, a defensive game, that can win in the playoffs, and I think they're going to execute that game.
0: Hey, i got to ask you this. Uh, Kurt Levins wrote a piece, Nine Thoughts, or Nine Things, in Sunday's paper. And yep. his primary focus was that Ken Holland's now had enough time to sort of uh, you know, deal with what what he was left with uh, under the Pete Shirelli regime. And that Ken made some bets, and one of his bets was he wanted to see what his team looked like with healthy goaltending. His team doesn't look that bad with healthy goaltending, with Mike Smith playing better. Uh, You know, Duncan Keith, Cody Cece, there was a lot of criticism on that. And he spoke on about the value of experience, because, of course, people always want young, exciting, new uh, people coming up and that sort of thing. What did you think of that piece that Kurt wrote?
1: i I agree with it and kurt has taken a lot of guff for standing up for ken holland frankly like he's you know people there's a lot there's a small minority of fans let's let's say it's 20 percent who are really really against ken holland um they don't think he's done much right um they think he's done mainly gotten things wrong kurt's consistently uh defended holland and um I, and I think you know it's there 's been times as recently as it, people have been seriously questioned all kinds of fans have been questioning Holland during the l a series when the orders were down um after you know the the first game or after the fifth game, and you know people were losing faith in the in, in the moves he made, and that could still happen right like if the If they go out quickly and meekly against the flames, people will still question Ken Holland. But they did win around. They hadn't won around since 2017. And who would have who would have stuck with Smith and Koskinen? Um, hardly any fan, you know. He did that. Um, that is that was based on. I'm sure it was based on experience. He 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 made signings like he approached Evander Kane, knowing it was going to take heat, um, and understanding that that a significant part of the fan base is going to be deeply uncomfortable with that. But weighing every thing. Including the, the the need to win this year, um, you know, with McDavid and Drysdale in the prime of their careers, he, he he decided to make that bet. He placed money on Zach Hyman, Cody Ceci, Duncan Keith. He made that trade. Derek Ryan's turned out. I mean, that that third line of Ryan Archibald and Nugent Hopkins. I thought I thought Bob was when they were on the ice in Game Six and Seven. I was completely comfortable. I didn't think they're going to score against the Oilers. You know, you have to have a checking line that can win. And Paul um, and Broad in uh, Derek Ryan. A lot of fans would have jettisoned Arch- Josh Archibald in a second for, for the whole vaccine stuff. Ken Holland stuck with him. He has a lot of patience, and he's always, he's always preached that patience. Um, can it be that that patience just paid off and it's working uh i I would suggest that that it was a big factor in um that first round and the in the win in the first round and um you know it almost bit him because he was very patient with dave tippett uh but he did make that change that was a you know but that might have been experience too you know (laughs) old enough to know wise enough to know well i've done things this way the whole way it's worked so far but my experience teach me sometimes you got to change it up so whatever it was uh, um I think that it's worked out uh, to date with Ken Holland's moves. I mean, the, the CeCe signing is probably the best. The CeCe and Kane signings, is there a team that had two better signings this year than CeCe and Kane in the NHL? I, I can't think of one. I doubt it. L.A., Duno, Duno, and who else, though? Like, two. Like, if you add up two, like, who are the okay. two? So okay. so that's... There's better signings maybe. You could make an argument there's better signings like... Uh, Deneau was a hell of a signing, obviously. You know, people. some people point to bunting and is really working out, but who signed two players that, you know... Your top-pairing defenseman, actually, your number one defenseman, Cody Cece, right now, and and a winger who has, I was listening to Elliot Friedman, and they were complaining in Toronto, like, again, and they're saying what they need is a nasty, nasty, tough, I aggressive know. winger in the top, and I'm thinking, well, there's one team that's going to be bidding on Evander Kane, but Ken Holland, Toronto might have got it, Evander Kane, but, you know, they weren't going to do that. They were going to take the criticism uh, in Toronto of signing Evander Kane, that Ken Holland well, I mean, here in Edmonton.
0: David, this is something that you and me deal with. I mean, and you're out there politically, and I'm not out there politically. I mean, uh, I have some very socially liberal views on some issues and some very fiscally conservative views on some issues. So figure it out where I come down the pipe. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But we live in a time in which people do jump to judge without actually looking in the mirror themselves. <laughs> and I just, I, you know, it, it's, it's funny. If, if, Kane, if Kane had had scored 12 goals instead of 22, I think the sentiment would have been completely different. But the fact is, they couldn't have asked for a better performance in the regular season and through the first round of playoffs. And what have Anders brought? He's,
1: brought? he's brought something that the Yoders haven't had, I, I don't think, since Sheldon Surrey and Chris Pronger. And that's a swagger. And it's a big, tough... Uh, Alpha, who's going to intimidate everybody on the ice. And well, Chief, they had
0: Luke, let's not forget, they had Lucic for three years. He did score 20 goals and had 50 points. His first he wasn't season. that player. you think he was that player, Bob? I, I think he was challenged to be that player already by that point, Edmonton, yes. Yeah. I cut you off there,
1: but I, I do think he wasn't that player. Like I, I, I was hoping that as well, but he wasn't. And maybe he's got it. Maybe he's rediscovered it in Calgary. I, maybe but he has. I
0: don't know. The point you're making is, Evander Kane has a nastiness to his game. That's part of it. That's what Surrey had, and certainly Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger played mind games with everybody, broadcasters and media included, writers included. He could get inside your head. He <laughs> was the master, and he could back it up when he actually decided that he likes. Surrey and like we know Kane can do when they have to throw down they will throw down yeah Evander Kane was just nasty face washing
1: uh elbowing in the face hacking hitting going to the net scoring goals power forward the the exact player that the Toronto Maple Leafs needed and you know Kyle Dubas should ask himself why didn't I do that um what 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 stopped me and um you know, maybe he, maybe maybe Holland was the the, the savvy GM who was going to get him anyway. But there was a lot of teams who backed away from Kane, and um, maybe they're regretting it now.
0: All right, uh, so give me three keys for the Oilers to win the series. Well,
1: they can't forget. The lesson that they learned in Game uh, Six and Seven. So after being, you know, they, they they scored those, they had those two huge wins by six goals each in, in the two straight games, and it went to their heads, I believe. It, and it would, it, and it's hard not to. You have such success attacking, and you start to think, okay, yeah, we are the 1980s Oilers again. So they they can't forget that desperation they felt they felt in Game Five, and the solution that they found um, in terms of being just smart, but also desperate on defense and aggressive. They can't. Forget get that uh, unfortunately another key is injuries and the orders are really this is where i'm, I'm most worried about the orders you know the, the state of health of the players who missed the last two practices including uh you know dry nugent hopkins kane we, we weren't worried about them before i am a little bit now uh, the flames have tana out or injured we don't know
0: if he's playing yeah, I guess. well he was on the ice today, he's was on the on, ice today. nugent hopkins was on the ice today with mcdavid dry and kane were not
1: and then the third, the third key is obviously goaltending. Mike Smith, uh, he's wow. played well when he's healthy, and is he? If he's healthy, can he match? Can he come come close to matching Big Markstrom? I think he can, but we'll we'll see. David, great stuff. How do people follow you? Uh, they can follow uh, on Twitter at the Cult of Hockey or at D
0: Staples. There you go. That's David Staples' call to hockey. All right. Uh, That's the Edmonton General's Provincial Affairs Calmness as well. It's 12. uh, Check that. two twenty-one in Edmonton. We're going to go the extra hour today and on Friday on game days. We are live at Scotiabank Saddledome. We'll come back with your text on the Ashley Five Floors text line when we return. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer in Calgary. Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. The Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. We're going an extra hour on game days. Here on 630 Chid with Oilers Now. We will tell you Royal Pizza, pizza pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 plus years for a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stauffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean Chicken. Royal Pizza, 15 locations in Edmonton and four now in Calgary. Old school big boy pizza. This text comes in from Quibs. He says, Hey, Bob, I'm glad to get an extra hour of orders now on game days. It's my favorite way to start the day. My question for you, and I pray that I'm wrong and it doesn't happen, but what do you think the Oilers and maybe more importantly, the league will do when Calgary targets McDavid and takes him out for the series? That's a little bit harsh. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen that's what I have to say Soundwave texts the show saying Bob your son will get this reference in January, February we all thought Ken Holland was Jar Jar now he's looking like Palpatine because everything is proceeding as he has foreseen okay there you go Uh <laughs> Bob, can you start calling the Saddle Dome the Fabulous Saddle Dome? Because we are staying here for a while from D.C. and the YYC. Is he referring to the fact that they're not going to get a new arena here? Is that it? (laughs) I mean, the first time I went to the Great Western Forum, or what was once the Fabulous Forum, I'm like, really? This is the Fabulous Forum? They used to have urinals like the ones that they had at John Ducey Park back in the day. You know, troughs. It was a disgusting place. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob, don't worry. Cassian will scare them again. Oilers and Uh six. We'll have to wait and see on that front. Um... And Chris from Lacombe has texted us on the Ashley Five Floors text line. He says, Bob, can Edmonton trade a draft pick for to a team to take a buyout for cap relief to sign Evander Kane? That one comes to us from Chris in Lacombe. Well, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be intriguing to see. I think Evander Kane probably going to get 5 or 5 and a half or $6 million a year minimum of a four-year deal somewhere out there on the market. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, Hockey Hall of Famer Kevin Lowe on the Battle of Alberta. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630
1: Chad.